What is this podcast about? We're not Al-Anon exactly, so what are we? Welcome to episode 278 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Eric, Fiorella, and Susan. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Eric, Fiorella, and Susan, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand, as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. So I got this email from Mark. It was kind of thought-provoking. And I thought, well, maybe it's time to talk about what the podcast is and what it isn't. Um, I think again, I think we've done it. But anyway, it's been a while. If so, Mark writes, thanks again for your service. One of the things that I was curious and at times concerned about was the ways that your show relates to or complements or differs from a formal 12-step meeting and program. I like the way you make the distinction clearly at the outset, but I wonder if you ever discuss or have had a show about these topics. From your sharing about the meetings you attend, I can see that you are careful not to breach any confidentiality, and the net impression I get is a real respect for the ways and means of formal 12-step programs. But do you ever worry that your seemingly more relaxed discussions might lead to confusion among the listeners and to inadvertent undermining of normal operations of meetings? The more I listen, the more I get the ways your show complements the 12-step principles, even with respect to the attract rather than promote aspects. In my experience, it seems common for many members of the fellowship to tune out or be skeptical whenever the talk turns to procedural matters. While I get that the main chance is the battle against the effects of active or arrested addiction, for me to ignore or scoff at the -the behind-the-scenes workings and workers takes too much for granted and would be ingratitude for the service and sacrifice of others who have made so much possible and sustains it. My appreciation of how much effort The Recovery Show gives to make shows accessible, easy, and comfortable grows with each new episode. Service and the rules is not a ratings winner, but maybe there is some way to explore it that gives the proper context and proportion. I've learned in my program to even let my immediate program reactions to age and settle before going off, but I still grip my teeth when I hear people grumble rather than be grateful whenever the nuts and bolts comes to the fore. I've been listening to the Recovery Show podcast for some time, and I'm now gratefully working my way forward through your back catalog of early shows. I discovered this show after having listened to a Spotify channel devoted to Al-Anon and AA speakers. That format followed a what happened, what it was like, and what it's like now format, and it was personal stories of personal journeys, so there was no proximity to outside material or crosstalk issues. So when I encountered the Recovery Show, I was struck by the ways it more closely tracked the familiar 12-step meeting format, but also the ways in which it appeared to depart from that model. I appreciated the clear disclaimer, if that's the right word, in the show opening, that while the hosts may attend 12-step meetings and belong to 12-step programs, they spoke only for themselves and not those programs and fellowships. But the show often quotes from conference-approved literature and adapts parts of the opening and closing that are so familiar and comforting to me from my attendance at meetings. I expect that some of the hosts or behind-the-scenes people at the Recovery Show may have heard about or have read a new pamphlet from the Al-Anon WSO entitled, Let's Talk About Safety at Al-Anon Meetings. It was unusual because our group rep received some sort of specific request to bring the pamphlet to the attention of the group for consideration. I consistently attend two meetings, which are respectively very respectful and very observant, and respectful and observant of the suggested formats. So the issues that apparently lay behind the new pamphlet from the WSO were not really present in our meetings, at least not in my understanding. 
I did a little looking into it and found some publicly available material from WSO going back to the early 2000s that arose out of a do-not-refer-slash-referrer debate among the trusted servants of the fellowship. I have been in the program for six or so years and had never personally encountered serious or sustained problems of dominance, undue influence, the introduction of outside issues and outside writings. So it seemed obscure to me and surprising that WSO would bring an urgency to the topic. I used to get worked up in a program lather as a kind of self-appointed, self-anointed guardian of the program. More experienced and wiser members led me to hold my tongue and idle my thoughts when they started getting ahead of my experience in place and business. Many of the issues identified by my hair trigger early warning system either dissipated over time on their own or turned out to be illusory. When I first listened to the recovery show, my program monitor radar alarm went off, particularly about what I perceived as crosstalk. Thankfully, I've been in the program long enough that a louder backslider alarm went off in quick succession and drowned out the first. The show's media, format, and distribution and access are different than a face-to-face meeting, and the back-and-forth aspect is an effective response to those differences. And as I listened over time, it struck me that while the show didn't have the same structure or feel or sound of a face-to-face meeting, when I loosened my focus on form and tightened it on content, it occurred to me that while the exchanges are more casual in tone and language, there really is not the kind of crosstalk that can get in the way and trespass boundaries. The hosts will acknowledge each other's shares, as is natural in a small gathering, but they really do stick to experience strength and hope from their own journeys. And more importantly, at least as I understand it, the recovery show is decidedly not holding itself out as an Al-Anon family group, and is thus operating under an even greater autonomy than the traditional Al-Anon group. One of the surprising things that emerged from my restrained research into the whole do-not-refer, let's-talk-about-safety topic, was that while it did delve into some pretty obscure, from my perspective, weeds, in the end, a large part of the discussion resulted in the reaffirmation of the principle of autonomy and the communal responsibility of the program. Mark. And uh, Mark's, <laughs> Mark says a lot of stuff in there. And I'm going to try to unpack it with respect to what we do here at The Recovery Show. I wanted to start by briefly talking about wh- how, the co- how The Recovery Show came to happen, how it came about, why did we create it. I and a couple of friends had been sharing some Al-Anon experience, strength, and hope in another podcast called Recovered, which is pretty much an AA podcast, but there are some people who participate in that podcast who are also members of Al-Anon, or in my case and, and my friend's case, were only members of Al-Anon. And we were able to talk about sort of the commonality between the two programs, everything except the alcohol, basically. And we thought, well, gee, it would, it would be nice to have a podcast that really focused on Al-Anon as a whole, rather than being sort of part of this, this AA-focused podcast the creator of Recovered, the, the host of Recovered, Mark, is a friend of mine and encouraged me and my friends to start a whole new podcast. And I was like, whoa. Uh, but we thought about it and we said, well, let's let's give it a try. And we did. Thus came the recovery show. Our intent when we created it was to sort of follow on the model that Recovered, the, the AA podcast Recovered. And I got to say, it's an informal AA podcast. It's a, it's a podcast about recovery from alcoholism with an AA focus. Most of the participants admit to being members of AA, but it is not an official AA podcast. So I have to be clear about that too. Um, and we knew that what we were going to do was not Al-Anon. It was not part of the Al-Anon program. It was sharing our own experience, strength, and hope, our own experience. We wanted to share our experience and others' experiences in recovery. We wanted to carry the recovery message in this online medium 
very likely to people who are not members of the program. We wanted to illustrate how Al-Anon recovery works in our lives to explore the concepts of the program, the different topics, the slogans, the, the steps, the principles of recovery as expressed in the Al-Anon literature and by other members of, of the program, to some extent to explain what the program was about, so particularly for people who aren't yet a member of Al-Anon who might be suffering from somebody else's drinking or other addiction, to let them know that we're here and to give some experience of, of what it's about. Because I know for me, just walking into a meeting was a barrier. This concept of going to a meeting was a barrier. And, and so I wanted to give people a gentle way in um, to say, this is what it's like. We're, we're just people. You're very welcome. Uh, we're not going to judge you. We're not going to shame you when you come. Those sort of motivations, those intents were all sort of mixed up at the beginning. Let's look at, at some of the things that, that Mark wrote. He asks, do you ever worry that your seemingly more relaxed discussions might lead to confusion among the listeners and to inadvertent undermining of normal operations of meetings? And I can't say that I've had that exact worry, but let's, let's see if we can unpack that a little bit. So relaxed discussion, most of the Alana meetings that I attend, whether here in my hometown or when I'm traveling, follow a, a fairly specific format, which is they open with some readings. There's often a topic suggested, maybe some reading about the topic or a step. Maybe somebody opens with uh, a personal share, uh, and then the meeting is open for sharing from each of the, the members at the meeting. And typically... Those meetings do not support crosstalk, which is to say not responding directly to what another person says, not asking questions, not criticizing. And occasionally that does happen. That happened a couple of times in one of my meetings last year, which led to a several months long discussion about crosstalk and how we defined crosstalk and some addition to our opening and a table tent with a very detailed description of the kinds of things that we try to avoid in order that the members at the meeting can feel safe. And so I think for those of us who are used to that format where every, everybody shares individually and there's no back and forth, there's no conversation, um, it may seem a little bit odd that in the podcast we do have conversation. We do have back and forth. Getting back to this question of confusion and inadvertent undermining, I don't know. You know, we try to be as clear as possible that this is not an Al-Anon meeting. This is members of Al-Anon sharing their own personal experience. You know, we can't say that every few minutes. We say it at the beginning of the show. I hope that we model at least, um, as, as Mark notes, sort of respectful discussion. Later, he said, there is really not the kind of crosstalk that can get in the way and trespass boundaries. The hosts acknowledge each other's shares as is natural in a small gathering. And I think... I think what we're trying to do here is the kind of conversation that you might have with program friends, maybe having coffee after the meeting uh, in a small group that's not a meeting, but gathering together to explore the program, uh, or the conversation that you might have with a sponsor. I'm really confused about this detachment thing. What can you share with me about attachment? And then, you know, sponsee and sponsor would have 
a conversation uh, back and forth about, um, well, this is my experience with detachment. This is, this is how I think about it. What, what are your thoughts? What's your confusion? And both maybe moving towards a deeper understanding of that topic. And so some of our episodes are like that, that we're exploring a topic, that we're trying to come to a deeper understanding of that topic. I think another place where this confusion might come in is that we do use in our discussion both Al-Anon conference-approved literature, that is to say books, pamphlets, etc., that have been approved by the Al-Anon World Service Conference at one of their meetings as official Al-Anon literature. We definitely read from those because we do want to bring in you know, what is the program? How does it help us? How do we observe the program in our lives? How do we work the program in our lives? And it's really hard to do that without bringing in some of the official literature. But we also, in some of our discussions, bring in readings, bring in discussion sparked by stuff that is not Al-Anon conference-approved literature. And getting to this question about uh, service and the rules, as he says, in our meetings, we strongly discourage bringing in non-Al-Anon literature so that in our meetings, there is no confusion about what is the Al-Anon program and what is not. But certainly when I'm talking about stuff with friends, and even sometimes when I'm sharing in a meeting, I might say, you know, I read this thing in this other piece of literature that is not Al-Anon that made me observe, made me um, see maybe this principle of the program in a new way. But I'm not reading from it. I'm not promoting it. Um, I'm sharing my personal experience. That that could happen. It's much more likely to happen in in a discussion. It's it's much more likely to happen in an episode of the podcast where we we try to really mine from the the full literature about and around recovery topics. I see where that could possibly lead to some confusion about what what's Al-Anon, what's not Al-Anon, and maybe need to be a little bit more clear about that when we're talking about it. I don't know. Inadvertent undermining of normal operations of meetings. I'm not going to take responsibility for that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think each meeting is responsible for making it clear what, what is appropriate and accepted and normal in, in that meeting. And I can't take ownership of that because I would love to take ownership of that in my codependent way. It's not healthy for me to do that. Let's see. Service in the rules is not a ratings winner. Maybe there's some way to explore it that gives it the proper context and proportion. We have had episodes about the steps, obviously, but also the Al-Anon traditions that guide how our groups work. We explored the traditions uh, in 2014. So if you go back there, an episode on each of the 12 traditions, and, and that's about, those are really about how we run our meetings. Those are, in effect, the rules, except they're traditions because one of them says each group is autonomous, or each group makes the rules that apply to that group. So some groups say no crosstalk. Other groups say crosstalk is okay. The tradition says nothing about crosstalk, actually. Um, it's just that many, many groups don't have crosstalk because, this is my opinion, opinion here, my opinion is that not having crosstalk makes it easier to share because I don't feel I'm going to get judged or criticized if nobody's going to respond directly to what I say. We also explored the Al-Anon concepts of service. So you want to, those, those are even further afield from the traditions. They're about not how do Al-Anon meetings work, but how does the Al-Anon 
program as a whole with the World Service Office and the conference and the um, group reps and et cetera, how does that work? How do the parts of that work? Um, there are trustees and, and members of the conference and members of groups. And, and how does this all work to keep Al-Anon going around the world? We explored those concepts in several episodes in 2016, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, and generally, we batched maybe a couple or three concepts into one discussion because they are kind of dry. They are kind of detailed. Uh, and, and I tried to group them by sort of the principles that, that they were getting at. So one of the principles was responsibility and authority, at least a couple of concepts that deal with responsibility and authority and how they're shared and, and among the, the various parts of the program. Um, and also in those discussions, we tried to bring applications of the traditions and the concepts to our personal lives to make it a little more listenable, to make it not as dry and in hopes that people would actually maybe listen to the whole episode. Uh, I don't know how successful we were at that, but uh, we have done it. We have explored those, but we didn't really explore them in, in the way that they might apply to the podcast because, as I said, the podcast is not Al-Anon. But I think it is important to consider how, how we observe the principles of the Al-Anon program, the traditions, concepts, and steps in this place where we share how this program has worked in our life. One of the goals of the podcast is to attract people who might benefit from the program of Al-Anon to Al-Anon if they're not there already, and also to help support those of us who are in the program. I know the more recovery material I get, the better my life is. And I hope I can give that to other people with this podcast. Let's see. Mark says, when I encountered the recovery show, I was struck by the ways it more closely tracked the familiar 12-step meeting format, but also the ways in which it appeared to depart from that model. And I think kind of talked about that quite a bit already. You know, yeah, our experience of going to meetings, sharing in meetings, hearing other people share in meetings, respecting each other's shares, not talking over each other, responding to, but not referring to maybe, um, shares in meetings. All of that experience went into the way in which the conversations that we have in the recovery show are structured. My program monitor radar alarm went off, particularly about what I perceived as crosstalk. And again, that's an interesting thing because as I noted, the traditions don't say anything about crosstalk. And I have been to some meetings that are explicitly allow crosstalk. One of the meetings that I went to a few times because it was it was not at a, a, on a day when I normally had time to go to a meeting, but sometimes I needed a meeting. And I went to it, and the description of the meeting in the al meeting schedule said, this is a traditional crosstalk meeting, dot, dot, dot. Uh, sort of warning people when they come in that this is going to happen. I found that that was not the best format for me because I want to respond to everything. And actually having the structure that you share once during the meeting and you don't respond helps me to hear what other people are saying better because I'm not thinking about how I would respond, how I will respond. Uh, so for me, non-crosstalk meetings work, work better. And most of the meetings that are in my area are non-crosstalk meetings. Interestingly, the meeting that I started at that was my home group for years does not say anything about crosstalk in the opening. And when it came up once in a group conscience, one of the founders said, you know, we don't say you can't do crosstalk here. We just ask you to share only once. But it's a very healthy meeting. And I think that's because 
of the way that the longtime members model their sharing. And while they may refer to what somebody else says, they do it in a respectful way and in a, a way of this is how this hit me. This is how I see this. Not like, oh, you said that, but that's unhealthy. But as, as Mark says, in this format, if we just all shared with, with no interaction, I think it would be boring. Maybe not. And I don't think we would get as deep because, again, my experience at meetings is, you know, I'll share my bit. Somebody else will share their bit. Their bit deepens my understanding. Somebody else shares, which further deepens. Um, and, and I feel like in the podcast, we can do sort of several rounds of that um, and get deeper and deeper into our understanding and hopefully your understanding of um, the topic that we're, that we're talking about. And he says, the recovery show is definitely not holding it out as an Allen and family group. And, you know, I need to be very clear about that. And I try to be very clear about that. And it comes up occasionally. A few years ago, a listener wrote in and said, you know, if you were an official Al-Anon meeting, then I could talk about it in my meeting. But because you're not, I can't bring it up as an announcement in the meeting, like, hey, there's this great podcast, you should listen to it because it's not Al-Anon conference approved. True. It's not. And and we talked about that. And we, those of us who were involved in the show talked about it. I got some feedback from listeners about it and decided that, yeah, we're not an Al-Anon meeting. Um, we like to be able to have discussion. We like to be able to bring in occasionally non-conference material. But we do try to stay true to the principles and the traditions of the program as we're doing that. And like I said, I've attended a few crosstalk meetings. And some of them are healthy uh, because of people are respectful in the way when they do respond, they're respectful in the way they respond. And I've attended some that, that absolutely are not healthy. And then I never went back to, it was one meeting I went to early in my program. Again, needed a meeting. This was the only one that was available that night. And after I shared the pain that I was currently having guy across the table looks at me and says, well, what you should do is dot, dot, dot. Oh my God, I didn't, I just was like paralyzed. I was like, what are you doing? You don't know me. You don't know what I feel. You only know what I just said. And you're trying to tell me what to do. Really bad crosstalk. I never went back because that just was a really bad experience. I did not like that. One of the incidents that prompted our discussion about crosstalk in one of my meetings, uh, one member around, uh, on the table looked at another person who had shared earlier and said something about, oh, this is what you're feeling. And this person just wanted to, you know, crawl under the table, I think. Um, they felt very affronted, very offended, um, and like they didn't want to come back to the meeting because they didn't feel safe in sharing, you know, what was in their heart because if they were going to get that kind of response. So, yeah, it can be unhealthy. It can also be healthy. You know, conversations that I've had with my sponsor or that I have with my sponsees, you know, they're not what happens in a meeting. It's it's more personal. It's more conversational. It's more interrogative. It's more like what we do here. Or what we do here is more like that, I guess, is another way to put it. So, yeah, we're not an Al-Anon meeting. We try to have uh, respectful, deep conversations about our own experience, strength, and hope, our own understandings of the various principles, traditions, concepts of the program in an effort to 
share the message of recovery with other people who may be in the program and just seeking a little more recovery, may be thinking about the program, may have had no idea that Al-Anon existed. Um, and our hope is that when they hear us, that they might say, oh, that might be something that would be good for me, and they'll try it out. So I want to thank Mark for for writing that letter. I don't know if I've done a really good job of responding to it. Uh, this is where I am right now. And uh, after a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and our meetings. And Mark also had a song suggestion. He writes, Thank you, Recovery Show and Spencer, for all your good service. My work commute has recently gone from 10 minutes each way to an hour and 10 minutes each way, and your podcast has been such a blessing that I look forward to my increased road time. I had a suggestion for a song selection, Gift Exchange by Calexico. It is ostensibly a Christmas song, but for me it means much more than that and seemed to come to me right out of my program. I first heard the song a few years back at a time when my first qualifier was very young and 1,300 miles away in treatment and absent from the family holidays for the first time. Even then, early in my program, I had the sense that we were both where we needed to be in painful territorial detachment. I struggled mournfully with guilt for not being ready to have them back home, but I was also grateful that for all the anguish, we were at least each on our first tenuous and perilous steps toward recovery. By that time, I had been through a few family education weekends and had shared in rooms filled with other families and other children struggling with addiction. So this song spoke to me, not only of my absent qualifier, but also of so many displaced and suffering young people and so many loving and struggling families that I had met along this way. Here's some lyrics that Mark sent. You say you're leaving, going back home. Where's your family? Where do you come from? Something's missing in your life. You've felt it all along. Retrace your steps, balance and check where it all went wrong. The spirit is broken. The path is overrun. You can't move forward. And now nothing gets done. I hope you find some in a peace along the way. Whatever it takes, I pray you'll make it home on Christmas Day. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives and recovery, what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. Well, I want to start by observing, as you may have noticed, um, my voice is a little lower, a little hoarser than usual. Um, I'm fighting some kind of a cold. This one seems to have settled into my throat rather than my nose, so I can breathe okay, but a little bit of pain and, and a lot of coughing, which I'm trying to keep to a minimum as I'm recording here. So that is what is. I've been sort of ignoring it for a while, and today I thought, all right, I need to take care of this. Stayed home from church, and uh, the only I'm only going to do a couple of things: go to a meeting, do this podcast, uh, and I'm going to spend some time lying down and resting because I think I really need to do that to move past this. Looks like. So last week I talked about acceptance. I talked about some things I was accepting. One of those was the weather, and the weather. For those of you who are keeping track of what's happening in the U.S. here in the end of January 2019. In the Midwest in particular, we had some really, really cold weather. It got down to almost 20 below Fahrenheit, which is about 30 below Celsius, for those of you who don't use that Fahrenheit scale. It was cold. And work said, you don't have to come in. You can work from home if you want to. And I did because, yeah, acceptance. So continuing that theme of accepting weather and just doing doing what I can, not what I think I should be able to do despite the weather, I think, is uh, is that theme. But 
the other thing that I was being accepting of last week, and I and I talked about how my wife wasn't being accepting of the fact that the insurance company had decided that the accident that totaled our minivan was an at-fault accident. And I was like, okay, that's what it is. Let's just let it go and move on. And my wife was like, no, I'm going to give it a try. She wrote an email to the adjuster at the insurance company stating her position. Lo and behold, the adjuster wrote back and said, you're right. I'm going to change this to not at fault. I'll be sending you a check for the deductible. That was great. And I didn't have to do it. Okay. So there's a little bit of, you know, just, I didn't want to in in that, I suppose. And another example where sometimes you just need to ask for what you want and you actually can get it. Our child in Colorado said to their boss, you know, I think I could be making more money somewhere else. And within a couple of days, they were offered a raise. Like, if you don't ask for it, you don't get it. If you do ask for it, you might not get it, but you might. And so I have to remember that. I have to remember that even when I think it's not going to happen, what's the worst that can happen? They say no, and then my expectation will be fulfilled, but they might say yes. You know, that's a principle of the program in there somewhere. I, I forget where it shows up, but it definitely is in some of our readings and, and somewhere in how Al-Anon works about asking for what you want. I think it's probably in the communication chapter, if nothing else, in how Al-Anon works. Yesterday's meeting, we're working our way through Blueprint for Progress one week a month, one Saturday a month. We talked about our understanding, our answers to a couple of questions in the spirituality chapter, which is near the end of the book. We're getting near the end of the book. Those questions were roughly, I don't have the book in front of me, but roughly, how has my concept of a higher power changed? And the second one was, what evidence do I have for a higher power working in my life? And as you might expect, with people sharing openly and honestly with, you know, no kickback, no judgment, there was a wide variety of answers. And I shared about how my concept of a higher power has changed significantly, both during the time I've been in the program, before program, when I came in, I was I was agnostic, verging on atheist to make a very simple statement of, of what I believed or didn't believe. After some time in the program, I came to understand that there is a power that is working in my life if I let it. That's steps two and three right there, okay? Accepting, understanding that there is, believing that there is a power and and allowing that power to work in my life. I don't have a description of that power. I don't have a mental picture of that power. I just know that if I pay attention, I get guidance that allows me to live my life with greater serenity and happiness. It's that simple. And the second question, what evidence have I seen of a higher power working in my life? I looked at the answer that I had written about six years ago, and I can't disagree with it. And I think I actually maybe talked about all of these in the show with Eric about miracles. But the big one, the first one was the removal of the rage that I had been carrying around that was splattering out on my children and my coworkers and everybody else around me for so long. Um, that just went away. Okay. Uh, as, as the AA big book says, no human power could have relieved me of this, of this rage because I had, I didn't want to have it. I just wasn't able to not have it. And starting in this program, starting to work the steps of the program, reading the literature, going to meetings, etc., it went away. I stopped exploding after years of not being able to control it. Yeah, letting go and, and following whatever guidance there was. I didn't even know that's what I was doing, but it worked. So that was one. 
um, getting serenity, getting serenity while my loved one was still in the throes of her addiction, while there was still alcoholic chaos happening in my home. I had days when I was serene all day. I wasn't angry. I wasn't upset. I wasn't in despair. I wasn't fearful. I wasn't frustrated. It was just serene. And, you know, having that calm while the storm is still happening, that was a gift. No human power could have given that to me, but I got it. So I have these evidences that a higher power is working, which reinforces this notion that there is a higher power that's working, right? It's sort of, you know, self-reinforcing. So it was a good meeting. I was glad to be there, despite the fact that I had, when I got up that morning, I was like, I don't think I can go. I just feel miserable. But I took it easy. I drank some herbal tea and I was able to go to the meeting, not hold hands with people because, you know, maybe viruses on my hands, cold viruses, don't want to give anybody else this thing. Oy vey. Um, Yeah, so that was my week. So what's coming up? I have some possible guests that I'm talking to about various topics. And uh, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure which which is going to come next. We'll see. I do plan to be at the AA convention called March Roundup in Detroit on the Friday and the Sunday of that conference, which is the second weekend in March. Uh, on the Saturday, some friends are getting married. So that kind of trumps the conference. So it'd be cool to meet up with people. I don't have any formal plans about that. But if if you think you're going to be there, maybe you could send an email to feedback at the recovery.show and, and we can make some kind of arrangement to meet. Maybe talk about your experience at the conference, maybe even for sharing on the show. So that would be cool. You can join our conversation here. You can leave us a voicemail or send us an email with your feedback or your questions. You can call and leave a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer or your phone. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecovery.show. We'd love to hear from you, share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions, or suggesting a new topic. Just let us know. Our website is therecovery.show, and it has all the information about the show, notes for each episode, links to the music, links to other recovery podcasts and websites and literature, etc. that we talk about during the episode. We got a little bit of listener feedback this week. Email from Jessica who writes, Dear Spencer, I wrote for the first time last week after finding your amazing podcast. I started with your pilot episode and have found myself binge listening to episodes in numerical order. It now feels as if you, Kelly, and Swetha are old friends. I found myself wondering how your lives and stories would change as I advanced into more recent episodes. Then I heard episode 47 when you revealed that Kelly and Swetha would no longer be a regular part of the podcast. I ached for you, Spencer, while listening, but found my own comfort in the fact that there are now 277 episodes, so surely your higher power intervened and you found a way to keep this valuable resource going. Congratulations. While I am anxious to get to recently recorded episodes, I am at the same time happy to have so many ahead of me to satisfy my desperate need to binge listen on this road to recovery and serenity. I have already learned from the six Al-Anon meetings I have attended thus far in these episodes how to communicate more effectively with my active alcoholic husband and was able to reveal to him this very morning that I am on my way to recovery. I hope he will recognize positive changes in me and our home and one day desire his own recovery. 
Thank you from the bottom of my heart for providing this incredible service and keeping it alive, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica, for for writing and uh, you know sharing that the podcast helps you because, as I have said and I continue to say, knowing that we are helping people to find recovery, to survive their alcoholic situation is what keeps us going. So thanks. Sharon left us a voicemail. Hi, Spencer, and the recovery show. Uh, greetings from Miss Kiwi, who lives in Sydney and has been in meetings in Australia, New Zealand, the UK, and the States. I've been listening to the podcast for about three years now, and it's a large part of my recovery routine. I miss the heady days when I had the huge backlog to work through, but now I wait excitedly for the weekly drop of a new episode. I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to my first convention this Easter, and I'm very excited, especially after hearing you talk about it. I've been thinking about ideas for topics, and I, I like the the one, the one. I just made it up, so it's not the one. I've been thinking of one around if you don't believe in an interventionist God, what's the difference between optimism, hope, and faith? And also, I really like the idea of uh, an episode on Al-Anon acronyms and alliterations. So things like J, justify, argue, defend, explain, or alliterations like awareness, acceptance, and action, mothering, manipulation, martyrdom, and management. And I also want to send you the link for a song by Paul Kelly called To Her Door. Uh, it's a song about alcoholism and only this weekend, it's a 13-year-old song, did I pick up a reference to going to the Buttery, which is a rehab facility up near Byron Bay. That song makes me cry. It's pretty on the nose. So thanks for everything you do, and uh, I look forward to hearing more new episodes. Cheers. And cheers to you all the way from Australia. Thank you. Thank you for calling. So, topic, if you don't believe in an interventionist God, what's the difference between optimism, hope, and faith? I think that's the way you said that. Yeah, really interesting question. I'd love to explore that with another member, really. I think we'd get a lot more depth if we were able to have a conversation with disparate viewpoints, hopefully. So, yeah, great topic. I, I put it in my topic list to uh, to consider. Another topic idea that Sharon suggests is to talk about Elanon. Elanon acronyms, which we definitely have a lot, and we keep making up new ones, I think. We've got a couple of iTunes reviews, one titled Gratitude. Thank you for this introduction to Elanon. I started going to meetings earlier this year, but really didn't connect to them. Then I found your podcast, started listening from the very beginning, and now I find that I have a great foundation in Elanon. It has given me a lot of help, coping strategies, and empowered me to speak up and not allow my resentment to destroy me. Listening to the podcast on gratitude right now from season one. I'm having a very tough time, but so thankful for the reminder that some things are good. And thank you for that review. Another one titled Meetings in Your Pocket. If you're feeling down and you may need some serenity, this is the show. Always hear some different views that almost always give me aspects of literature that I would not have thought of on my own. I listen as I go to meetings also. Very nice to hear experiences without being able to talk to the person. Helps me to concentrate on shares and meetings. You know, I hadn't thought of that. That because you can't talk back to us directly, you sort of get practice. I got a lot of practice in meetings, listening without responding, because as I said, I want to respond. I always have something to say about what you said. And knowing that I can't makes it a lot easier for me to actually focus on what you're saying. So thanks for that. 
iTunes reviews do help, I think, people who are considering listening to the show decide that they want to listen. So I always appreciate reviews if you uh, if you feel like leaving one. iTunes, Stitcher, I don't know. There's a bunch of places that we show up now that, that you can leave reviews. Uh, iTunes is still the big one, I guess. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Eric, Fiorella, and Susan did. And I want to thank those of you who've been making contributions that enabled me to upgrade the disk space in my laptop so I can keep on using it to record more episodes of The Recovery Show because it was getting full. So thanks for that. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of the links will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us going. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it. Sharing the podcast with your friends, simply direct them to therecovery.show or just listening to us. We are here for you. Sharon suggested this song by Paul Kelly called To Her Door. The first verse, first verse says, they got married early, never had no money. Then when he got laid off, they really hit the skids. He started up his drinking. Then they started fighting. He took it pretty badly and she took both the kids. She said, I'm not standing by to watch you slowly die. So watch me walking out the door. She said, shove it, Jack. I'm walking out the effing door. And the song goes on. The second verse is about him going to rehab at this place called the Buttery that Sharon mentioned. And then the third verse is about him coming back, not getting back, but coming back to her door, which is the title of the song, and his apprehension and fears about what's going to happen. Um, it's, yeah, it's a touching song. It very definitely is a touching song. Thanks for the suggestion, Sharon. for listening and please keep coming back whatever your problems there are those among us who have had them too if we did not talk about a problem you're facing today feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode may understanding love and peace growing you one day at a time